Okay, good morning everyone. Bruch Mavam to the Kalal Igra de Pirka. Hashas Vayetze. So the Pasuk tells us that Yaakov Avinu was leaving Beershava. He was going to Charon. And he came to the Makam HaMikdash. He slept there. So Rashi's bad. No kidding, he slept there. You can't sleep in a different place than you are. Of course, wherever you're sleeping, it's there. So Rashi says, It's exclusionary. He slept there. The 14 years that he... It's not just enough to learn. So he served... He was Meshamish, the Rebbe. For 14 years, he did not sleep at night. Shehaya Oisek B'Tayra. He was involved in learning Tyra. The question is, for some reason, the Tyra does not want to tell us explicitly that Yaakov learned. I mean, you would think this was a very important uh, part of his life. He spent 14 years of uninterrupted learning. So let the Tyra say, uh, that means say befeir, say explicitly. Yaakov Avinu spent 14 years learning Bahasmada Rabbah without interruption, without sleeping. No, we have to figure it out. Why? He slept there, but he didn't sleep somewhere else. I mean, why is the Torah hiding this? But here Chazal are saying that Yaakov Avinu learned Bahasmada, so why wouldn't the Torah tell it to us? Again, another place, how do we know that Yaakov Avinu spent learning in the Shiva Shem Vayibar? At the end of Parshish Chayisara, it gives us the years of the life of Yishmael. So Chazal want to know, what do we care how long Yishmael lived? It's important to know how long Yishmael lived. So Rashi again tells us, Why is the Torah enumerating the lifetime of Yishmael? In order to figure out how many years Yaakov lived. Ah. Says Rashi, Mishnoisav shall Yishmael lamadnu shashimish Yaakov veveisever arba esrishana from the years of the life of Yishmael. If you calculate how long Yishmael lived, and based on his life, how long Yaakov lived, you come up with a major problem, and that is Yaakov Avinu is missing fourteen years. Where was he for fourteen years? He must have been learning. So again, how do we know Yaakov was learning? From figure out from detective work of giving you the amount of years that Yishmael lived, you could figure out Yaakov was missing 14 years. What was he doing? He must have been learning. So why wouldn't the Torah say explicitly that Yaakov spent 14 years learning? I mean, why do we have to figure it out? Again, we're going to figure it out from the lifetime of Yishmael. There he slept, he didn't sleep somewhere else. Yishmael lived a certain amount of years. Oh, it must be Yaakov was learning. Okay. It's a problem. I mean... You would think Yaakov Avinu, we knew, was of all the Avais, he was the uh, Titan MS Yaakov, he represented Torah. So, so tell me, tell right explicitly. You're right, my salvation must say explicitly Yaakov Avinu sat and learned for 14 years. Now, what was he doing in the Yeshiva Shema Eivar? He had another Kavana in being there also. And that is, he was hiding. Right? Rashi, at the end of last week's parsha, the end of Taldais, Rashi says, another thing, another place where we can't calculate 14 years of the life of Yaakov Avinu. Rashi says, Harecha Seirim we're missing 14 years. Halamarita, what do we learn from here? Sheachar Shekibal Habrachos, after Yaakov received the brachos, Nitman. What does Nitman mean? 
He was hiding Bevei Sever Yudalit Shanim. He was hiding Bevei Sever? I mean, that's the worst hiding place you could possibly imagine. Imagine, Esau is thinking to himself, Hmm, where's my brother Yaakov? Uh, let me first, let me check the pool halls. Let me check, you know, <laughs> let me check the bowling alleys. Oh, he's not there? Ayve, where could he be, you know? Oh. Let me check, you know, the base of is Of course not. I mean, Yaakov was Ishtam Yoishev Oyhalem. I mean, that's the most obvious place. Hmm, where's Reb Chaim He's in the same place he was for the last 90 years. He hasn't moved. He hasn't budged. So if Esav wants to know where Yaakov is, why doesn't he go to the Yeshiva Shem I mean, Yaakov's hiding there? I mean, what kind of chachma is it to hide in the Yeshiva Shem That's where he's been his entire life. That's the hiding place. That's the Gainasha hiding place he comes so, up with. You mean he outsmarted? Yeah, he said, There's yeah. no way he's in yeah, the Yeshiva. Yeah, he wouldn't yeah, do that. Yeah. I mean, what? Nidman, Bebe Sever? So uh, the question is raised by the Samdarach, uh, the Samdarach of Simchazis of Breida, the Rashiva of Chevrain, Knesset Yisrael, Zechazak Levracha. He raises this question. He says, Look at number four. When you think about it a little bit, it's a mystery. What kind of hiding was it in the Yeshiva of Eber? It's not like, you know, Yeshiva Minchas Pinchas that nobody ever heard of, right? This is, this is the one, there's not, not like a hundred branches. There, the, there's one Yeshiva in the world, Yeshiva Sheva Eber, that's where Yaakov is, right? Right? Logically, 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 no. Why, why is it? Why is it different than any other yeshiva? I mean, Esav couldn't go in there. They had a they had a building. They had a building fund. The building campaign. Yeah, they had a dinner. So why didn't, why didn't uh, Yaakov is going to hide in Yeshiva? He said, How did this miracle happen that for 14 years, you know, Esau is, is walking around you know, with his, with his uh, bow already you know, pointed. The second he sees Yaakov, he's going to shoot him. And he's searching for him for 14 years. Why didn't you check the base matters? Uh, why doesn't dawn on, on Esau that Yaakov is hiding in the, in the base matters? How did, right, he says, who, how said, like, who said that he was looking for him? Because he said, he didn't even think about that. So why was Yaakov Nitman? <coughs> he was hiding. Presumably he was hiding because, uh, because uh, Esau was after him. And why else was he, he hiding? That's what Esau said. But Rivka told Yaakov, get out of here, scram. So he's saying, really, really Yaakov hid there, but Esau knew he were. Okay. Let's see. Let's see. What? And then another question, like we asked in the beginning, Why doesn't the Torah tell us explicitly It's almost like the Torah is, you know, very scared to tell me this information. And if you're a lamb, then you can figure out, oh, but the last 14 years, he, he was learning. Oh, what about 14 years of Yaakov? Oh, he must have been learning. Why is the Torah so scared to tell me that Yaakov Avinu was learning? So Parshas Vayetze enjoys 
a feature that very few parashios enjoy. Now, our Sefer may not have it like this. There are different uh, Mesoros here. But Parshas Vayetze, according to Rishonim, is Susuma. What does it mean, Susuma? It's not Susuma Legamri. It's not like Vayechi. Vayechi, you know, Vayigash ends, and then Vayechi begins after one letter of space. Most Parshios, they're, they're Psucha. In other words, the Parsha begins after a line. Wherever the last Parsha ends, the next line the Parsha begins. Between Pez and Samachs, you know, you could have... You can have uh, spaces. Parshas Vayetze is Susuma. How many are you? Seven or nine? Between what? <coughs> For two. Parshas? Yeah. I remember. Mm-hmm. But, but Parshas Vayetze is Susuma. It doesn't have the openings of from Parsha to Parsha. Right? It doesn't have like between Breshas and Nach, between Nach and Lechacha. Instead, it's closed in like any Pei Vesamach. This is Das the Canaan brings down. Why is Parshas Vayetze Susum? Lefikach parsha zu susuma. Therefore, this parsha is closed up. Memnei sheyatsa betsina, because Yaakov Avinu went out secretly. Memnei Esav, because of Esav. In other words, the Dasikinim is clearly saying Yaakov was hiding from Esav. So, therefore, the parsha is susum. I mean, what is Yaakov Avinu hiding from Esav got to do with the parsha being susum? Just because Yaakov Avinu has a problem with Esav, so the parsha has to be closed up? I mean, well, why, why do we have to suffer because Yaakov Avinu was running away from Esav? What, what does the parsha got to do with Yaakov hiding from Esav? And then the Balaturim adds, Vayetze Yaakov, Yeshoimrim, Sheparsha zu susuma. Some say, right? They're different opinions. Some say this parsha is closed up. Vahatam, the reason is, Lefisheyatza beseser. He went out secretly, secretly, and he fled. He fled, you know, in the darkness of night. So the question is, well, you know, why does the parsha have to be sosim just because Yaakov Avinu was running away from Esav? Okay, we have another illustration of this. Parshas Vayechi, yeah. Parshas Vayechi, we know, is sosim legamri, which means after after Vayigashen, Vayechi begins immediately. And Rashi says, Lama Parshas Ususuma. Right, Rashi at the beginning of Ayichi says, "Why is Parshas Ayichi Susuma? Lefishekivan sheniftar Yaakov Avinu nistemu eneim veliban shal Yisrael." Once Yaakov passed away, the eyes, the heart of Klal Yisrael became closed up, stopped up, mitzars hashivod from the pain of the bondage sheschilu l'shamdam. So, in other words, because when Yaakov passed away, our hearts got closed up, the parsha was closed up. Okay, what do our hearts and eyes have to do with the parsha? But it's just a remez to it. And then Rashi says another pshat. Davar acher shabikesh legalos asakets. Yaakov Avinu wanted to reveal the end. Vinistamimenu, and it got closed off from him. So why is Vayichi closed off? Because Yaakov Avinu wanted to reveal the end, and it was closed up. It's good, good for him. He so it was closed up. Therefore, Parshas Vayichi has to be closed up. I mean, what does Yaakov have to do with Parshas Vayichi? Because so information was hidden from him, the parsha has to be closed off. Now we're going to get to what I call a whopper. Okay? <laughs> this question is so strong. You know, if you see this Rashi, after you hear this question, you should be, you know, why didn't I think of this question? Okay? At the end of Noyach, the end of Parsha's Noyach, Avram Avinu is about to leave his father. And what does the Pasuk say? Vayamas Terach. Bechara, Tarach died. So Rashi has a kasha. 
I but he didn't die. The Torah says he died, but he didn't die yet. He died 60 years later. So here the Torah is giving me, it's like misleading, it's misleading information. The Torah says Terach died, and Terach is, he's, you know, buying milk in the grocery store. So Rashi says, you know what it means Terach died? It means he didn't die yet. That's what Rashi says. Look, Rashi says, number 10. La'achar she'yotza Avram mecharan. After Avram left Charan. Ubal Eretz Canaan, and he came to Canaan. Bahayosham yoyser mishishim shana. And he's there more than 60 years. That's when he died. In other words, the Torah is giving you inaccurate information. The Torah says Terach died, but the truth is he didn't die until 60 years later. Says so Rashi, how do I know Terach didn't die until 60 years later? Because how old was Avraham when he left Haran? 75. How old was Terach when Avraham was born? 70. That means when, Av- when Avraham left Terach, how old was Terach? 145. And yet we know Terach died at the age of 205. That means he didn't die for another 60 years. So Rashi says, that's how I know Terach didn't die yet. Look a few lines down. Why did the Torah give inaccurate information and made Terach's death precede Avraham's departure 60 years? Look at this. If, you, if this makes any sense to you, you know, we have a story. Look at this. Well, maybe his death is really because when, the, when Abraham left and his spirit left, so whatever Terach Neshama was left was gone. Because Why? I mean, he was living only because Abraham was there, in a sense. When Abraham is yeah, gone... But let's see, that's how Rashi says. Look what Rashi says. Shalom Yehei had... Why does the Torah write Terach died? Why does the Torah write that Terach died? So that it's not widespread news, so that it's not known to the masses that Terach died. Because people are going to start to criticize Avraham. You know what they're going to say? How could he leave his old father and just go to the Holy Land? Why? Because he's, he's, uh, he, likes the, he likes Israel. Yeah, but his father needs his help. So we don't want this to become widespread. That he just left his old father. That's why the Torah calls him dead. And it's not inaccurate because we know the wicked are always called dead. Risham are always called dead. Right? Risham afechayim kroyimesim. So listen to what Rashi is saying. Right? It says Terach died. Ay, Terach is, you know, we're walking on the treadmill. You know what the answer is? We don't want anyone to know that Terach died. We don't want anyone to know that Terach is still alive. And therefore, what do we write in the Torah? I don't understand what Rashi is talking about. Are you telling me that, let's say, where did Terach live? In, uh, in Babylonia, Mesopotamia, Mesopotamia? So Terach's next door neighbor, he's going to be, you know, he wakes up in the morning, he sees Terach, you know, planting his flowers for the spring. And he says, wait a second. Terach, he looks like he's alive. The only thing is, I opened up the stone Chomish today that doesn't exist, and it says Terach is dead. So therefore, even though I see Terach walking around, but I think he's dead, why? Because that's what it says in the stone translation of the Chomish. Rashi's saying that, why do we write Terach died? Because we don't want people to know that he's still alive. What people? The people who were alive in the time of Terach? What, they didn't read the newspaper? They didn't see Terach? There was no Chumash. It's not like, what, is Rashi saying the people in the time of Terach, they got their information from the Chumash? There was no Chumash. They didn't read the newspaper? I mean, here, you know, the Terach came over to the guy, Shalom Aleichem, how are you doing? I don't know who you are, the Torah says you're dead. 
Mutasif, what? It's like Tarach for 60 years, he was like an invisible ghost because the Torah said he died. I don't understand. Rashi seems to be saying, why do we write Tarach died? Because we don't want people to know that he's alive. Which people? Which people? I mean, they got their information from a document that wasn't given yet? No, to tell us that Rasha is, is like a dead person. No, but what does Rashi say? Why do we write Tarach died? So which people? Us? Ah. So you want to say what Rashi means is, the Torah doesn't want us to know that, so then why is Rashi telling us? We, we should know. <laughs> I'm saying, who is the Torah talking to? The Kali so We're going to have a Taina on Abraham that he left his father? Hashem told him to. Abraham, we, we learn from him everything, so we have to know. That so we, we should, should also learn that if Hashem tells you to leave your father, and tell, then you listen. I mean, who is this talking to? No, it's, it's for the, you know, the Bible critics who don't know. I mean, it almost seems like from Rashi, that Rashi is saying, why does the Torah write, Terach died, so people shouldn't know that he's alive. I mean, the people who are alive in that time, they see him. The people later, us, we're not going to have any tainus on Avram. Hashem told him to leave his father. Okay, now, if that was a whopper, listen to this question. Right, this is what the Samdarach asked in number 11. L'chari yesh l'haven. Ma b'kach shesibra akasa amosah shol terach. Who cares if the Torah wrote terach died? V'chizeh ma'ashagarm shalayadu abriya shedayin hoi terach hai liachah shiyatz Avram mecharan? Imagine like this, you know, they, they turn on the radio and they hear Terach, you know, he has a commercial for his idol store. You know, come by my store and buy, you know, idol, buy sale. one, get two, sale. buy one leg, you'll have two, two other legs free, right? It's a franchise. Right, they used to ask Terach, how's business? He said, thank God, right? So, <laughs> so, so here's a guy, he comes to Terach's store. <laughs> Good audience. So he comes... They go, they go to Tarach's store. Tarach says, you want to buy an idol? Say, I can't buy from you because you're dead. I mean, Tarach probably, you know, he didn't know what to do with himself. Okay. Now listen to this, Kasha. Okay, look at number 12. Yeah. Um, right, what, like Mark Twain writes, uh, news of my death has been premature. Vayishlach, Lamed Heiches. Yeah? Vayishlach, Lamed Heiches. Take a look at this. <sighs> the wet maid, uh, the wet nurse of Rivka died. She was buried beneath Beisel, beneath the tree. Says Rashi, why this double Lashon? Look at number 12. When Devaira, the Meinekes, Rivka died, they were informed of another tragedy. <coughs> they were told about their mother that she died. The word Aloin in Greek means mourning. Now listen to this. Why doesn't the Torah write explicitly that Rivka died? Why? Listen to this. You know why? The Torah doesn't write that Rivka died. So that people should not curse the womb that produced Esav. So to the Torah does not publicize that Rivka died. In other words, it almost seems like this. Why doesn't the Torah write explicitly Rivka died? Because the Torah doesn't want anyone to know that Rivka died. What in the world? Why? 
because the Torah doesn't want anyone to curse Rivka because she gave birth to Esav. So you're telling me that when Rivka died, why didn't anybody know about it? Because it doesn't say it in the Torah? There was no Torah. You're telling me the people, they didn't read the newspapers, they didn't talk to anybody, their information came from the Torah? I mean, you had a, somebody was at Rivka's Leviah. So when they hear at the Leviah, oh, Rivka, she had two children, Yaakov and Esav. So what, what's the normal reaction? The normal reaction would be, oh, that woman, she produced an Esav. But why didn't anyone curse Rivka? Because even though they were sitting there at the Leviah, they don't know that she died. Why? Because the Torah doesn't say it. Aye, there's a coffin there. No? Ah, yesterday Rivka was alive, and now when you knock on the door, she ain't there anymore. No, but I don't know that, because the Torah doesn't say it. Ah, you know, Rivka used to uh, have uh, the Shekhinah over her tent, and now it wasn't there anymore. Yeah, but, but, but we don't know that, because the Torah doesn't say that she died. I mean, wh what is that supposed to mean? Rashi seems to be saying, the fact that the Torah hid her death made it that people were not aware that she died. Uh, what, what does that mean? I mean, this is a reoccurring theme in the Chumash. The Torah writes, Tarach died, why? Even though he's alive, people are going to think he's dead. Okay. Look at number 14. Look at number 14. He says, V'yesh l'havinus devei Rashi. Sh'lai hizkir ha'kos of tirasa shal Rivka. The Torah does not mention Rivka's death. The Kafi she'hizra ha'ramban, the way the Ramban explains it, she'atam l'kachaya, the reason was, we didn't want the Bnei Ches to, to bury it. In other words, what the Ramban brings down that Yaakov wasn't at the Levaya, Yitzchak wasn't on, at the Levaya, and the Bnei Ches had to bury her. We don't want, you know, we don't want to, to publicize that. I understand. What people didn't know who buried Rivka because it doesn't say it in the Torah? I mean, what, every morning people would take out their chumash, you know, take out a coffee and read the news. <laughs> the news, oh, oh, that's what happened today. Oh, Rivka died. Oh, but we don't know that because the Torah left out that. But people, would, that's how they would know the news. They would darshan the kutzah shalyuds. Okay. Another very interesting Gemara. The Gemara says, Masech the Shabbos, Right, we know in Parshas Bahaloischa, we have Vayib and Sayah Ha'orain. Yeah? And we know before and after you have the uh, upside down nuns. So the question is, what's the meaning of that? Story by itself. Yeah? So Rebbe's opinion, and this is how he passes, because Sefer Bethnayatzmahu. It's a Sefer by itself. It's, right, it has only Pehe Oisioi, so it's a Sefer by itself. That's what it means. Chatzva Amudeha. Shiva. Shiva. Really, there are seven books of the Torah, according to Rebbe. But the other opinion in the Gemara is, look in, look in number 15, Tanara The Torah made markings before and after to say, this is not the place. Really, this should be somewhere else. In other words, if you think about it, if you turn to Parshas Bahaloischa, right, Vayib and Sayah Ha'ara and Vayyom Yamoisha, that doesn't belong in Bahaloischa, it belongs in Parshas Bahamidbar. After, you know, how would the, the Klai saw camp? 
certain shvatim would move first, and then the Arain would move, and then other shvatim would follow. So really, Vayibin Saya belongs in what? In Parshas Bamidbar. It was taken out of Bamidbar and put into Bahalaisva. And how do we know that? Because it has these markings to indicate that it's out of place. Says the Gemara further, Mantana de Palagalei de Rebbe, who is the Tana that argues on Rebbe and says that this Parsha is out of order? Reb Shimon Gamliel, who the Tanya, Reb Shimon Gamliel, Aimer, Asida Parsha Zu Shati Akar Mikan, Laasid Lavi, this Parsha will be uprooted and moved elsewhere. The Tikasabi Makamel will be written in its place. Velama Kasvakan, why did the Torah inject Vahivin Saya in Bahaloischa? Kedela Hafsik. Ben Paranos, Rishayna, Le Paranos, Shnia. In order to separate between the first punishment and the second punishment. What was the first punishment? Vayisu mehar Hashem, according to Taisus, that means they ran away from Harsinai, Ketinai, Haberech, Mebesa Sefer. What was the second Paranos? Vayihi Ha'am, Kimesayninim. We don't want to put two punishments together, so therefore we break it up with what? We break it up with Vayihi Ben Sayan. The Ramban adds, okay, listen to this. You know why we break it up with Vayib and Saya? Because we don't want to have three consecutive punishments. Vayisu mehar Hashem, Vayihi ha'am kimesayninim, and Vayihoha'asafsaf asher b'kirba hisav l'tayva. Look at the Ramban. Look in, in number 16. Is it the same? Is it the same? It was, um... Asafsaf asher is the same thing, no? There were, so, you know, the, 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 the Messianim were, were a smaller group and it spread to the rest of Kala Yisrael. But look what, he, look what the Ramban says. He says, on the one, two, three, the fourth line, Bezehu Puranos Rishayna. That was the first Puranos, that they ran away from Harsinai. Behivsuk, and the Torah interrupted with Vahiv and Saya, Shaloi, Yiu, Shaloish, Puraniyai, Smukhai, Zulazu. So you don't have three in a row. What would be so terrible if we would have three punishments in a row? If we would have three punishments in a row, we would become muhzak. We would have a status of punishment. Now the Ramban says, what do you mean punishment? It's not like we were punished, but a chayt is like uh, punishment. And says Ramban, it could be that's why we didn't go into Eretz Yisrael. So listen to this. It also is mamish, very difficult to understand. The Ramban says... Then why do we inject Vahiv and Saya? Because we don't want to write three punishments back to back to back. So what do we do? We stick in something that doesn't belong. I don't understand. But did it happen back to back to back? Did Kal Yisrael sin? No. They did. They did. So very nice. You're writing in the Torah. You're writing in a sentence. Very nice. I don't care that's an editorial comment. You're sticking something in. But it happened. Back to back to back. So what difference does it make how you write it? If it happened, so we're ready, Muslik Paparanias. What, it matters how you write it in the Torah? Then it happened. Back to back to back. So let's just, let's just recap. Okay? We're not seeing the order. We're not seeing the order. Here it happened to be... I'm surprised at Rashi by the... Uh, when it mentions the Misa of Torah. could have just said... Oh, that, that's what Rashi's. Uh, that's what Rashi's relying on. Simpler explanation of. No, that's. Ain mukta mukta b'tayra. 
is if you have one parsha and then later another parsha, so it doesn't have to be in a chronological sequence. But here it says Terach died and Avraham left. And we don't say in Muktam Mochmatar from you know from one pasuk to another. So Torah is giving you the sequence of events. Torah is telling you how it happened. So you're not going to say, oh, it didn't happen like that. In Muktam Mochmatar is you know if you have one story and then another parsha, you have another story. We don't necessarily say that the second story happened after the first story. Here, yeah, okay, that's two different parshios. But here, it says explicitly, it says, um, it says, Bayomas Haran, Which parasha is it going on? Yud Aleph Lamed Beis. It says, "Vayiyu mei terach chamei shanim v'sarim shanim vayomas terach b'charan vayomashem l'avram l'chacham." It's the next pasuk. Okay, so let's let's recap. Number one, we want to know why does the Torah not want to say that Avram that Yaakov Avinu learned in the Yeshiva Shem Ve'Eber? That's number one. Right? Torah is going about in a roundabout way. Vayishkab b'makom ahu from the years of the life of Yishmael. Question number two. We wanted to know what kind of hiding place is Yeshua Shem Be'er. That should be the most obvious place for Esav to look. Question number three, what's the connection between the fact that Yaakov was hiding and the fact that the parashios are sasam? Number four, we wanted to know what's the fact that our minds became sasam and the fact that parashios Vayechi is sasam. Number six, we wanted to know why would the Torah write that Terach died what, so people shouldn't know that he's alive and people don't get their information from the Chumash? And number seven, the Torah doesn't write, Rivka died, so people shouldn't know. Again, people don't get their information from the Chumash. And then we wanted to know that what does the Ramban mean that we don't want to write three Peronias together so we don't become Mokhsuk? I mean, that's how they happen. Who cares how you write them? So Rabbi Isai, we learn from here, Mamish Ayyusayit Amaik. And that is, that the words of the Torah are not just a record of what happened, but the words of the Torah actually create what happened. Okay? It creates not just, not just Misa of Isinim and Lebanim, not just what Avraham does affects us. The way the Torah writes what happened to Avraham is what created what happened to Avraham. If the Torah, it doesn't matter how it happened that we sin three times together, if the Torah put in the Chumash. Paranos, Paranos, Paranos. Klal Yisrael would become Muchzak the Paranos. I, why does it matter how, how, it ha- how it's written? Isn't it more important how it happened? No. Reality is how it's written. The Torah creates the identity, the destiny of Klal Yisrael. If the Torah would record Paranos, 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 that would create that Klal Yisrael is now an Am that is Muchzak the Paranos, that we're destined for punishment. So what do we see from here? That the wording of the Torah... The sequence of the Torah is vital for the way things actually occur in the reality. That's what the Samdar points out, and we'll see, we'll see what this means. Mefurish Bidvar look at number 17. Davar Mufla Biyaisa. We see a wondrous concept. Imhayu Gimel Haparaniyaz Ksuvais Pizeh Acharzeh. If the Torah would have written three consecutive punishments, Hayu Mokhzakum Bapuranis. That would have made a Chazaka. That would have created a consistent continuity of Puranas. Look at the next paragraph. How do we know that three... Three is Chazaka. Three is Chazaka. The foundation is... 
every letter, so what we're learning is every ois, every letter, begam seder haparshios, the order, koivea esmetsios hahanhaga ba'ilam, establishes the laws of the universe. Kaloimer, kama shenichta batayra hu hashoyresh lukalamatsios. If the Torah says, it's not that Hashem created the light and then the Torah records, no, Hashem took the Torah, He read the words, and that's how there was light. It's not that the Torah is a record of what happened. The Torah are the architectural plans of what is unfolding. We'll see what this means. The Torah is the form, the mold of reality. Whatever happens in the world. You know, any, uh, you have a scientist, right? What happens if, you know, you take an atom, yeah? yeah? And you take one proton and you just move it a little bit or you split it. What happens? Big explosion. Atom bomb. Right. Yeah? You split the atom. If you move, right, you have one atom. You move one proton, one neutron, that's it. You know, you have people indelibly imprinted in a bridge in Japan. You have the destruction of, you know, cities. Why? Because the atom is the building block of matter. If you split, if you split the yasa, you split the matter, it has, it has uh, terrible repercussions. Every word of the Torah is like an atom. If you take one letter, if we were to take one letter of the Torah and take it out, a kutzah shel yud, it would be worse than an atom bomb. It would destroy the whole world. The Torah is the foundation of the world. The Yalkut Shemani says like this. Yalkut says, the Torah existed 974 generations before the world was created. That's what we say every day in Davin. Davar, Siva, Le'elef, Bar. God gave the Torah the thousandth generation. I was only 26, is that right? My Shemani was 26. But already predated the world 974 generations. Hashem expounded, he investigated, he searched, he purified the Torah, from the day the world was created until now, every matter of the Torah, 248 times, look at the next line, anything in the Torah, if you would take one Aleph, and just move it, it would destroy the whole world. That would be like, you know, imagine somebody, uh, right, it's like splitting the atom. It's like, uh, it would create an earthquake. If, if a letter, right, that's why, if a Balkari makes a mistake, what happens? Everyone jumps on him, everyone wants to kill him. What do you want from the poor guy? He was up late, you know, Friday night, it's the end of the week, he missed a, he missed a little Yud. So what, he didn't say the Yud. You're going to, you know, you're going to bat? No. If you miss every letter of the Torah, it's like a building block of the universe. Right? Imagine if, imagine like this. Imagine if the sun was three feet closer to <laughs> earth. We wouldn't be here anymore. We wouldn't be here to begin with. Yeah. If one ice of the Torah, instead of one space, there are two spaces, that would be more detrimental to the universe then if you would move, right, if we were closer to the sun and the gra- gravitational force was stronger, the whole world would go haywire. If one ice of the Torah was out of place, it would destroy the world. Okay, let's, let's, let's uh, develop this. 
Not only that, certain parts of the Torah have to be open, certain parts of the Torah have to be revealed. Why? Because there's certain things, if Hashem used the Torah to create the world, there's certain things in this world we see, certain things we don't see. Rav Aaron Kutler said, Right? There's a big question. Rabbi Yisai, what are we here for? Why did Hashem create the world? Why did Hashem put us here? Oilam hazeh, doimeh, lefroizdar, lefnei, oilam haba. Right? Oilam haba is a yisoid ha yisoidas. So I have a question for you. Yeah, it's so oilam haba is so important. Where is it? Go through the Chumash. Tell somebody, tell me. Where is oilam haba? It doesn't say it anywhere. It says Rav Aaron Cutler. I'll tell you why it's not in the Chumash. Because how did Hashem create the world? Through the Torah. Now there are certain things in this world that you could see, certain things you can't see. Olam Haba is something that Hashem does not want us to see openly, right? Ayin loirasa elakim zulasecha. Hashem doesn't want us to see Olam Haba. If Olam Haba would be in the Chumash, you would have to see it openly. Because the Chumash are the architectural plans of the re- revealed aspect of creation. So you know why Olam Abba is not mentioned in the Chumash of Aaron Cutler says? Because since the Chumash, right? You know why you see birds? Because it says birds in Pasha's Barashas. You know why you see parents? Because it says parents. Whatever you could see with your physical eyes is mentioned in the Chumash. It says of Aaron Cutler. It's here somewhere on the sheet later on. In number 25. You know why Olam Haba is not mentioned in the Chumash? Because since the Chumash are the architectural plans, Hashem hid what He doesn't want us to see, and Hashem put openly what He wants us to see. So Olam Haba cannot be written in the Chumash. It can only be in the Tar Peh. It's in the hidden. It's in the closed section of the Torah, because this is something Hashem doesn't want us to see. Rabbi Isai, remember, who taught... Who taught the Targum on Nevi'im? Rabbi Yonasem ben Uziel. Right? Not on Chumash. On Chumash, even though it says Targum Yonasem ben Uziel, it's not. The Chidah says it's not Yonasem ben Uziel. The, the Targum Yonasem uh, Targum was only on Nevi'im. What happened when Yonasem ben Uziel revealed the Targum on Nevi'im? The Gemara Miguel says, Daf Gimel, Targum shal Nevi'im, Yonasem ben Uziel, Amru mi pichagez chay malachi, v'nizdazo Eretz Yisrael, arba meyaz parsal, arba meyaz parsal, Eretz Yisrael shook. Why did Eretz Yisrael shake? Because Hashem said, this is a chilek in Torah, that I want it to be hidden. You're going to bring it out into the open? That's going to change the entire world. The world can't handle that. It created a reverberating earthquake. Ah. So, who says this? The Pharisees, this is what the Nefesh Achayim writes. The Nefesh Chaim writes, look at number 22, Reb Chaim Velazhna. He says, Hashem used the Torah to create the world. Look at number 22. Through the Torah, Hashem created all the Oilamais, all the upper worlds, all the lower worlds. Like it says in Mishlei, I will be to it Amain, says the Medrash, Atikri Amain, Ela Uman. In other words, the Torah, the same way if you're making a, a garment, your machine, your sewing machine is what creates the garment. God's machine with which He created the world was the Torah. Look further on. This is, you know, very lofty concept. Look, look in the third paragraph of number 22. 
about seven lines down. He's quoting from the Zion Pashas Chuma. In the Torah it says Bereshis Bara Istakel Mima It's not that Hashem created the Shemaim and then He said, "Oh, let me write a diary of what I did." No, just the opposite. How did Hashem create the Shemaim? He read the words Bereshis Bara Elokim Eis Hashemaim Yisaras. Go read Sivba Bayer Melakim Yehiar Istakel Bahaimila Ubaras Ha'ar. God looked at those words, He created the light. Every word of the Torah, He looked at it, So when it says, well, Let's see, let's see, let's see. Let's see, let's see. Says the Samdarach, now we understand. If the Torah would have written three perennials, one after another, that would have created the reality that Klai Yisrael are destined to us. They've established a certain pattern. But if Hashem doesn't write it like that, even though it did occur one after another, that's not the reality. The reality is not what happens. The reality is what is in the architectural plans. That is the reality. Ah. What do you mean the reality is not what happened, but it happened? It happened, but it didn't happen fundamentally. It happened bimikra, in other words. It's not written like that. So it didn't happen, muhsakim. It didn't happen, yeah, it happened to occur one after the other. That's not a chazaka. Chazaka is when it's, it's muhach. That's how it has to be. That's what he says. Yeah, it's a mitziut, but it's a mitziut. You see right see. over here. Let's see, let's see. Not only is how something is written in the Torah what creates the reality, but the order of the parashios and the spaces also create the reality. So he says like this. Look in number 24. According to this principle, that every letter that's written in the Torah, even the order, creates the reality. Now we know why there are no openings in Vayetzim Vayichi. You know why? It's not that. Yaakov ran away, so the Torah says, oh, let me write a nice little cute remez. I'm not going to make a space in the parashiyos. The Torah says like this, Yaakov is running away. How is Yaakov going to be able to run away in a way that Esav is not going to find him? Because Hashem takes, you know, the all-powerful Das Elyon, and he, he fuses, you know, through molecular Torah, whatever, right? Um, and he fuses the two parashas together, there's no opening. Now Yaakov Avinu is now hidden. I, he's in the most obvious place in the world. He's in Yeshiva Shemba Eber. Esav has no idea where he is. You know why? Because the Torah omits that Yaakov is in Yeshiva Shemba Eber. The Torah removes it from the blueprint. And the Torah takes it out of the plans. So even though Yaakov is there, in some way, it's there. almost like he's not there. He's not there. He's not. When Esav is thinking, where's Yaakov? When Esav is looking, where's Yaakov? He ain't be Yeshiva Shem Why? Because the Torah has removed it. Cut him out, right? It's like the Torah Hashem with the Das Elyon removes that concept from the Torah that Yaakov Avinu is learning Yeshiva Shem and the Torah doesn't write Yaakov's learning there. It says 
He slept in that place. We'll figure out on our own that's where he was. We'll figure out on our own where there are 14 years missing in Ishmael's life. But the fact that the Torah doesn't write it openly means in the revealed realm of the world, Yaakov Avinu ain't there. Esau has no idea where he is. The Torah fuses the parashas together. It's not a remiss to the fact that he's hiding. That makes it that he's not able to be found. That makes it that the reality is Yaakov is not able to be found. Why were our hearts stopped up and clogged up when Yaakov Avinu died? Because the Torah took the two parashios, right? The parashios are what's creating the reality, fused them together. Now in our minds, we're stuffed up. Yaakov Avinu wanted to reveal the cates. Why was he unable to? Because the Torah moved the two parashios together, fused them together. This was information that was not open to him. What do you mean? But, but the most obvious place in the world where Yaakov is hiding is Yeshiva Shemei. What, Esau couldn't have thought of that? No. You know why? That wasn't a possibility. That was Minha Nimna. It, didn't, it was not Minha Metzios. It didn't exist. It was removed from this world. It was removed from this world. People want to know. Yeah, um, Avram Avinu leaves his father. But wait a second. People are going to start criticizing Avram Avinu because he left his father alive. No. In people's mind, Terach is over battle. He's gone. Maybe he's over battle, but he's walking around. He's you know, going to the grocery store and then he goes to the gym, no. right? And then, then he you know, does his other thing. He plays baseball on Sunday. Yeah? No, he's dead. But what do you mean? He's walking around. In people's mind, He's already, you know, over battle. Because the reality of I, what do you mean? The Torah, the people are not getting their information from the Chumash. It's not that people are waking up in the morning reading the Chumash. Oh, Tarach's dead. Oh, even though I see him walking around. No. That created a certain reality that people are not cognizant of the fact that Tarach should be alive in order to start criticizing Abraham. Every time they think, wait a second, how could this old man be walking around? Where, why, did, why would his son just leave, you know, forsake him? These type of thoughts didn't enter their mind because it was almost removed from reality. Not almost, it was removed from reality. It was. Yeah. Now, does that mean uh, people didn't see Tarach? He was invisible? No, I, don't, I wouldn't say that. People knew he was alive. But that, if the Torah hid it for a certain reason so people shouldn't do it, that means the result. In other words, people would never think, oh, Terach is alive. Why would Abraham forsake his father? The, the, the fact that Torah hid it made that these thoughts are not possible to have. Right? Rivka died. Everybody's at the Levaya. Everybody's crying. Everyone's sitting shiva. Where's Yaakov and Esau? And they see, right, they come into the house and they see, you know, going up the steps, there's, there's a little red baby when he was born, and they see the Yaakov Avinu, and they see the pictures all over the house, and then as they're getting older, and Rivka's saying, oh, you know, this is, this is my Yaakov. When he was in eighth grade, he was, you know, the Masmid HaShavua, and, you know, and there's, a, there's an empty picture frame right next to it, you know, she doesn't want to talk about. And nobody thinks, well, how could a mother produce such a murderer? Why not? Because the, the fact that the Torah didn't write that Rivka died made it almost as if it was not Menachemus that she died. Right? It's not Rivka. Yeah. Okay. It's a very powerful concept. It's a tremendous concept. So a tremendous all, concept. So, so this is all for the time that people was there. What about today? Even today. 
Hashem made it minanimna that people are not going to be cursed. Rivka, when they when the, when they learn about her history, because almost the fact that she died is you know, is something that that is overlooked, is not is not mentioned explicitly. Hashem removed that. Hashem removed that. So, but but in terms of answering the question, why would an Asa find Yaakov? That's really a very profound answer. That the fact that the Torah doesn't write it explicitly made it that it's removed from reality. To everybody, from to, to the world, to existence, to the existence, to the existence. Now listen to this. He takes us even further. In Parshas VaYishlach, yeah, look at this. Parshas VaYishlach, Paraklamet Days, Pasuk Tezvav, number twenty-eight. It says that, uh, that about the animals next week, right? The animals that Yaakov Avinu is sending to Esav, and it says he sent the male goats, the female goats, the male ram, the female, right? The male, okay. Then it says, Gemalamenikos, the nursing camels, Uvenehem, and their children. So Rashi wants to know, well, yeah, what about the husbands? Why only the mothers and the children? Umedrish Agada, Uvenehem, Banaehem, their builders. Zachar Kenegenekeva. Olafish at Abitashmish, because camels are modest. Like Persimo HaKasa, the Torah doesn't write the female camels and the male camels. The Torah just writes the females and B'nai and their children, but the remez is, it's a remez to the, to the males. So, so um, the Samdach wants to know, I don't understand. Why is the Torah giving me a remez to the fact that camels are Tzanua B'tashmish? Well, it's like rewarding them. Oh, since you're Tzanua B'tashmish, we're going to throw you a bone. We're not going to write Ubanehem, we're going to write Uvenehem. Says the Samdarach, no, it's much deeper than that. What created the reality that of all the animals, the camels are the most modest? The fact that in Parshas Vayishlach, the Torah doesn't write Menikos, Ubanehem and their husbands, Uvenehem and their children, and the Torah covers up the relation between the husband and the wife. That creates the fact that camels are tsanua. <laughs> it's not after the fact. It's not the Torah is being marames to this Indian that camels. The fact that the Torah left out an ice, that ice changed the chemistry, the biology of Gamala. That caused the biology. Yeah, that caused, that caused that, it. That was the cause. Yeah, that caused the fact, it. Basically, yeah. And he brings one, one, uh, one last idea, very uh, amazing idea. I mean, uh, okay, well, before we get to that, I just want to add, um, want to add to what he's saying, that in last week's parasha, in parasha's Toldois, it says, Eila Toldois, Yitzchak ben Avraham, Avraham hoilet as Yitzchak. So Rashi wants to know, if he's Yitzchak ben Avraham, obviously Avraham hoilet as Yitzchak. So Rashi says like this, why did it have to say Avraham hoilet as Yitzchak? Rashi brings down, the late son Hadar would say that, Sarah was Mr. Aber from Avimelech because many years she's together with Avraham, nothing happened. All of a sudden, after one time with Avimelech, she gives birth. What did HaKadosh Baruch Hu do? He formed the face of Yitzchak to look like Avraham. The Yidu HaKal, and everyone testified, Avraham hoiledes Yitzchak. And that's why it says Yitzchak ben Avraham. Why? Because now we have Edos that Avraham gave birth to Yitzchak. Understand? So you're telling me you had late Sane Hadar. And they open up the Chumash. Oh, oh, the Chumash says, Avraham Halidah Sitzchak. Okay, never mind. I'm not going to be Mavazahim anymore. I mean, what, what, what's Rashi saying? 
Because the Torah wrote Abraham, I mean, people are not, first of all, even if they did have a Chumash, nobody would care that the Chumash said, Abraham Hailed as Yitzhak. Second of all, they didn't have a Chumash. And this is going to quiet the late Sunni Hadar. What? Same you said. What? Sarkastapano. So you mean this is just a remiss to Tsar to that he was Sarkastapano. So so according to what he's saying, you could say, How was Hashem Sarkastapanov Shal Yitzchak? By saying the extra words, Abraham Hilak that made that now there is an open reality and a clear lakal, it's before some lakal that Abraham Hilad as Yitzhak. He adds, that's what we're adding, he adds one more point. And that is, we know that um, many people have a custom, not so common anymore, to fast, to fast, Erev Shabbos, Pashas Chukas. Why? Because in France, in, well, you're at 1240, um, 20 wagon loads of Svarim were burnt in France. So so says the Magen Avram, okay, very nice. So we should fast on the day of the week, excuse me, on the day of the month that they were born. Why would you fast Erev Shabbos? Says the Magen Avram, Shemitach She'elas Chaloim, they made a She'elas Chaloim, Noidalohem, they realized, She'yoyim HaParsha Goyrim, that it's the day of the Parsha that caused it. Because what did Hashem tell them in this dream? Da Gezeras Oiraisa, right, they made a She'elas Chaloim, is this in fact a decree from heaven? And they got a three word response, Da this is the decree of Hashem. So the Magen Avram is bothered by a question. The rest of the year, we don't do things by the day of the week. We do things by the day of the month. Pesach is the 15th of Nisan. Tishabav is the 9th of Av. Asar B'tevet is the 10th of Tevet. Shom is Gimel Tishrei. Why all of a sudden do we make a fast on a Friday? Not the Yom HaChodesh, but the Yom HaShavua? Says the Magen Avram, they realized that the Parsha had an effect. Why? Because Parshas Chukas begins Zois Chukas HaTorah and the Targum is Dag Zeres So therefore there was an effect that the Parsha had that made this time a time of that was able to be a time of misfortune for Klai Yisrael. So the Samderach points out think about this not only does every letter of the Torah change reality, create reality not only does every space of the Torah create reality not only does the parshios, the openings, the closings, the kutsashiyot reality. When we read a specific parsha during the year, that also changes the reality. In other words, the Chazal of the time understood that why was this tragedy happening? Because parsha's chukas is being laid on this Shabbos. And the fact that we're reading this part of the Torah at this time, that created a certain episode to happen. That's a very profound idea. But then he adds one more point. And that is, if the Torah is not just a record, but actually what we call the atoms of the universe, and to move like the Yalkut Shemani says, what would happen if one letter would be moved? The world would be destroyed. It would be like, you know, if we would take the moon out of the universe, the effect that would have on the gravitational pull, everything would be destroyed. Says the Samdarach, Think about the godless of the Avais. Think about the godless of Avraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. For the covet of Rivka Imenu, Hashem was ready to get in there with, you know, with his splicing ability and remove the words, Rivka died. 
It's not such a Pashita thing just to take words out of Torah. If you tamper with one ice of the Torah, it could destroy the whole world. But for the honor of Rivka Imenu, we're going to do it. For the honor of Avram Avinu, even though the Torah would have said that Tarach didn't die, for the honor of Avram Avinu, in other words, you see the Chashivos Ha'avais, that even though if you move one oyster, the Torah could be wow. Mekalkel, the whole world, wow, wow, for the covet of Avraham, for the covet of Rivka, Hashem yeah, is willing to do it. it. So you see, first of all, I mean, the Torah, it's, it's, it's um, the most powerful, awesome, sensitive document. You have to be so careful with every prat. But you also see the tremendous godless of the others that Hashem is willing, so to speak, to tamper with it for their, for their, for their covenant. Have a wonderful day.